Good morning and welcome to the February 10th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we are on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is Ryan Joy, and on today's episode, we are talking about celebrating the perfect wrestling. Every once in a while, the most notable thing to happen on a given day is something of a somber story. And that's the case today as we remember the passing of one of the all-time greats, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. On this day, February 10th in 2003, Kurt passed away unexpectedly in his hotel room in Tampa, Florida. Henning was set to appear later that day at Jimmy Hart's All-Star Wrestling, an event promoted by, well, I guess that's kind of obvious, right? Jimmy Hart. Unfortunately, a cocaine overdose ended his life before the appearance and tragically ended his life at the age of 44. When I settled on talking about Kurt Henning for this show, I asked myself, how should I, a wrestling fan who grew up in the 1980s and 1990s, celebrate the perfect wrestler? Well, in the Daily Wrestling News Show, we say that we teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. So I set up to celebrate Mr. Perfect by doing a little of each. So I wanted to start with learning. I knew a bit about Kurt's background, and I even knew that he was a former AWA world champion. But I didn't know the whole story. Here's what I've learned. Kurt graduated from Robbinsdale High School with three other future wrestlers. Among them were Tom Zank and Rick Rude. Through a series of tragedies stemming from various conditions, none of them are with us today. Graduating from the same high school a year later was Barry Darso, later known as the Repo Man or Demolition Smash, John Nord, Berserker, and Nikita Koloff. I guess your odds of becoming a huge pro wrestling star were significantly improved if you went to Kurt's high school. Now let's talk wrestling and the rise to the AWA championship. Kurt trained under the guidance of Vern Gagne at Vern's famous training facility. Ken Patera recalls the facility as a ring in the middle of a barn with pigeons and chickens flying overhead. It was the Minnesota winter and there was chicken shit everywhere and no heat. While that's a far cry from the WWE Performance Center, that training facility did produce Ken Patera, Kurt Henning, and Ric Flair. But to give you an idea of how awful Vernon's hell camp was, Ric Flair tried to quit. But Gagne forced the issue by showing up at Flair's house, smacking the shit out of him, and bringing him back to camp. You had to be special just to survive hell camp, as it had a 90% failure rate. But in Dave Meltzer's obituary, he said Henning, as a second-generation wrestler and son of an AWA legend, did have its advantages as he was groomed in the camp instead of beaten into quitting. Henning did make it, and he eventually became somewhat of a hot commodity. On November 21st, 1986, Kurt wrestled AWA champion Nick Bockwinkle to a 60-minute draw at an AWA television taping in Las Vegas. It was said to be Bockwinkle's last great match, and the WWF took notice of Kurt. Once Vince McMahon learned that Vern was grooming him for the top spot, McMahon started negotiating to bring Kurt into the WWF. Now that didn't happen at first, as Gagne would promise to make Kurt AWA world champion. Fast forward. The date is May 2nd, 1987. The location is the historic Cow Palace in San Francisco. The match pits 52-year-old babyface champion Nick Bockwinkle against the babyface challenger Kurt Hennig. As you know from about 15 seconds ago, 
These guys wrestled the 60-minute Broadway a few months prior, so the disappointing crowd of 2,800 people was probably just getting warmed up when Larry Zbysko handed Kurt Henning a roll of dimes, which led to the finish after Kurt knocked Bockwinkel out with the dimes and pinned him around 26 minutes. Longtime San Francisco standout Ray Stevens was ringside and advised the referee of Kurt's misconduct, and while the crowd popped huge for the title change, they booed like crazy when the announcement was made that the title was being held up. Now, at the same time, the NWA was in a weird spot. Jim Crockett had pulled champion Ric Flair from competing outside of Mid-Atlantic, and so the AWA cut a deal with the remaining NWA territories to feature the AWA champions on their programming. Bockwinkle went to those territories and made title defenses like the belt was never held up at the Cow Palace. It's weird, but I guess the plan was to go back to Bockwinkle Henning later that summer, and that's where Kurt was supposed to win the title. Well, the WWF somehow learned of the plan and again started negotiations with Kurt. Vince loved the idea of Kurt beating Bockwinkle and then showing on, up on WWF TV. A couple of weeks after the Cow Palace match, the AWA changed the storyline to appease Henning into staying with the company. They retroactively announced that the tapes were reviewed and the championship committee decided that since no conspiracy existed between Hennig and Sabisco, despite cheating, the original decision would stand and Henning would be the champion. So I guess Kurt became AWA world champion on May 2nd, 1987, or was it two weeks after that? I don't know. But that's the story. Kurt lost the belt to Jerry Lawler in front of 8,000 fans a year later on May 9th, 1988. But when Kurt didn't win it right back as promised, this time he did leave for the WWF. So that's the AWA side of the Kurt Hennig story. And now I'm going to transition from learning about Kurt Hennig in the AWA to remembering Mr. Perfect from the WWF. I'll save Kurt's many WWF classic moments for individual episodes of this show, but to celebrate Mr. Perfect's run properly, I do want to list some of my best Mr. Perfect memories. The vignettes WWF used to introduce Mr. Perfect to the television audience were priceless. Turns out he's not just the perfect wrestler, he's also perfect at everything. I'm a huge fan of Survivor Series 1990, so I enjoyed seeing him team with Demolition to take on the Ultimate Warrior, Texas Tornado, and the Legion of Doom. His time as the executive consultant for Ric Flair in 91 and 92 was priceless. Of course, Hennig would turn on Flair years later in WCW, leading to the infamous War Games match where Flair's head was smashed into the cage door. See episode 33 of this show for that story. But if we're doing a proper celebration of Mr. Perfect's wrestling career, well, then I'm going to end the show right here and go watch Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart in Madison Square Garden at SummerSlam 1991. And if you're also a wrestling fan trying to remember the perfect wrestler, I suggest you do the same. After all, he is what he says he is. Absolutely perfect. The Daily Wrestling News Show is a Minutes to Bell Time production. Learn more at minutestobelltime.com. This episode was written by Ryan Joy. My research for the AWA portion of this episode comes from the February 17th, 2003 edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Subscribe to Daily Wrestling News Show on your podcast player of choice and join us in the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. We'll see you tomorrow.